So go on a journey with me again. We did this last week. This time it would be to April 30th, 2022. A lot of you were there. The day before, we had uh, just closed on this facility. And it was a Saturday. And how many of you guys were here that day when we came and just tore this place up? Ripping up carpet, tearing up tiles. We were tearing doors off hinges. We were ripping ceiling tiles out. We were doing all kinds of stuff. And one day, we just filled up a whole construction dumpster. We just began to demolition, demolition, demolition. And the atmosphere was electric. We were excited about it. And we were envisioning and we were forecasting, like, what's it going to be like to be in this space? How can we do this? And people, there was already, like, architect plans and some things drawn up. And we were like, oh, this could be here, this could be here. But a lot of you might be like, I don't see things like that. And you had to see the drawing. And then as it took shape, you know, but the first it had to start with the demolition. And we were in demolition for months. It was hard work, literally blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, actually, three months. We, we did demolition. I went and looked at back at some videos that I posted July 30th, all the month of May. All the month of June, all the month of July, we were out here. There was no electricity. There was no air conditioning. There was no running water. There were no flushing toilets. It was a grind, and we were getting it done. Three months of demolition. And here's the thing that's true. Like, sometimes in order to uh, build something new, you have to tear down something old, right? That's just life. That's just a life skill. That's something that you have to kind of understand and accept. But it's also necessary, I think... To look back at the old and see what we can learn. I think it would be fitting and, and actually not right if I didn't do what I'm about to do. There's a history to this building before we got here. In 1993, the state of North Carolina built this space. And uh, they built it, the Department of Corrections built it as a halfway house in the Department of Corrections. A facility to house ladies who had been incarcerated. It was a women's house. There were rooms all over this building. I think 10 by 10 rooms or something. Two ladies per room, two little closets. There was a ward in the state here a lot of times, like a police car. I've talked to neighbors across the street who remember, and I've asked questions. But from this space, the goal was to help them reintegrate into society, to be restored. And so from this space, they actually were able to get jobs up on Market Street where they could walk or get a ride to work at one of the restaurants up the street and do work. I've yet to meet someone who ever stayed here, but I hope I get a chance to. In this space, restoration began to happen. And I don't know why that program ended or exactly when it ended, but looking back on the records and from the best I can tell, about 2012, the space was purchased by another group. And it was, uh, it was a group that was a church, the, Inter the International Embassy of Holiness Church, met here for a long time. So when you first came in here that day, if you were here on April 30th, uh, the way the building was arranged was how they had arranged it. And there was an auditorium roughly here. I think that was the sidewall, and right about that third row there was maybe another wall. And, and they arranged themselves facing that way. And I'm going to tell you something, man. I've met people in this community, and I've met uh, half a dozen or more pastors in the area who have told me that they were in this building. They were part of worship services here. They were part of what happened in this city through the ministry that happened in that church. Good things happened. People found eternal life in Jesus. People made room for God and the Holy Spirit in their life. That happened in this space already. Guys, we're not the pioneers of this space. It was, it was already done. I've met people from across the street who, uh, who, who were around when this church had to close its doors. Sadly, the pastor of that church uh, passed away. And I don't know all the circumstances that led to the church eventually saying we can't be in this space anymore. But there's people who are right across the street that you might be here today. I've met you. I've got your phone numbers. Like, there's so many great people I've met that live in this neighborhood. And they, uh, they, they were like, man, we, we uh, haven't really plugged back in the church since that church closed. And we're so glad that you're here. But, but that happened here. And they were here for about 10 years, a decade. How old is Venture Church? 10 years this month. 
So alongside us, right up the street, half a mile down the road, God's work was already happening in this place. God seems to have already ordained this space and set it apart for people to be restored. It's already been happening. And whether it was through the state and corrections or job placement, or even better, through a church family that was able to introduce people to Jesus, it seems that God has decided to use this little plot of land for his glory and his purpose in this way. And so as we did demolition last year, uh, I remember many times just like tearing down a wall and prying something up and thinking about like, who lived here? Like, who was here already? Who already did something here? And trying, wishing I knew their names, wishing that maybe I would find something scratched on a wall that I could like identify somebody. And throughout the time, we would find little things, especially from the church, little flyers, papers, things. Uh, Perry has a sign in his office, right? What does it say? Revival? Revival tonight. So every day, Revival tonight in Perry's house. Um, but, uh, you know, those things are cool. And so the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, King Solomon wrote this book, and I actually read a prayer from him earlier in the service. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says this. It says, there is a time for everything. And a season for everything under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. Guys, we're in a new season in this space and for our community. Most of you know Venture Church is 10 years old this month. At the end of this month, we're going to have like a big birthday celebration here. We're probably going to need to hire the police to park people and stuff. It's going to be crazy. It's, and so we've been celebrating all month long our 10th birthday. We didn't want to just let it fly by. And so the series that we're in right now is this idea of walking in the light. Every single week, we close our service by saying we want to shine light in dark places. And so for 10 years, we've been walking in the light. What does that look like? And so like, because as a sermon writer guy, like sometimes like, what do you even talk about? I was like, let's just, I kind of took a cop out because we've been real busy. I was like, let's just call it lessons learned over the last 10 years. And so, but I've been able to discover, man, so many lessons that I think God has taught us. So last week we learned this lesson, that Jesus transforms lives. That was the lesson. And we just told a lot of stories about like real life change that's happened. It was also, incidentally, I didn't plan this. I didn't know it. I think God had it written in his book. But that was our last Sunday at the YMCA. So we got to tell those stories in that series and kind of celebrate that. Uh, but what do you say on a day like today? Like a little bit, I wanted to be a little bit like a mayor. And like I was talking to my friend Seth last night. Like he was like, we're going to cut a big old ribbon in front. Like what do you, how do you like... How do you open a space like this? And so, but then I really thought about Solomon and the dedication of the temple and what I read earlier and the idea that like, okay, this is different. This isn't just Sunday. This is dedication. Once a year we dedicate, uh, we call it a baby celebration. And the idea is that if you have had a baby in the past year, uh, our church family will pray over you. And, and, and that child needs to make the decision one day to follow Jesus on their own. But we as a church family will pray over the parents and we'll say, listen, we want to, you know, it's, it's in a sense a dedication. Say, we, we want to like consecrate this person for your service. May we do our best to raise them in that way. And so I think it's fitting that we do that here today. That what we do is we say like, this is a place that we're going to consecrate and set apart. But we're not the first People have done that here before, but in this new season, what can we do? And so I was just like racking my brain, like, what is the phrase, you know? What, what is the, the lesson? Perry, will you put the lesson up on the, the screen there? Because I got it different on my thing. I have right here, our lesson is that we're here to build the kingdom of God. Uh, I don't know what the slide says. It's like white with black letters. Yeah, it's up there. Um, <laughs> 
There's a lesson that we talk about all the time in our church family. We've been talking about it for years. Uh, we call it carrying pockets of heaven with us everywhere that we go. You recognize that phrase? I've been using it for a couple years now. And the idea of carrying pockets of heaven with us everywhere we go is that God's kingdom is his presence in our life. It's our ability to serve alongside him and do what he's doing in the world and partner with him to put the world back together. Like That's kind of what God's kingdom is. And everywhere that we go, we kind of get to take a piece of that kingdom with us to make a difference. And so that's what we're here to do. We are here because we exist that everywhere we go, we take pockets of heaven with us. And that's the lesson that we learned. To, to get to that this morning, what I want to do every week, we want to look into God's word, study the Bible, and find uh, truths in his word. Um, so if you've got a Bible today, I'm going to invite you to open it up. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have one, the scripture will be on the screen right up at front, and uh, you can also open it up on your phone. Uh, as you leave today, there's Bibles in the lobby. You can just take one. If you need a good Bible, we want everybody to have a good, readable version of the Bible. Take it, put your name in the front, or if on a week you forgot your Bible, just grab it before you come in. Put your name in the front cover. You can have it. It's your Bible, or you can just borrow it. But in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking uh, about what is probably his favorite subject, the coming of the kingdom of God. Like his very first sermon that he ever gave was, gave was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His whole idea was like God's kingdom is happening, so turn your hearts back to him. And so as Jesus teaches about the kingdom, you've got a lot of different methods that he does it. I mean, he, he glances into the Old Testament and he talks about prophecies and the prophets and the old stories of Moses and things like that. He talks about uh, Jonah one time, like all kinds of things happen. But he also likes to use these stories called parables. And you're probably familiar with a parable. It's kind of a metaphor. It's a short story. It's got like some imagery, some symbolism. And generally when Jesus told the stories, there's always someone that represents like God and someone that represents what happens in his kingdom. And so when we land in Matthew chapter 13, he's actually going to give us like a little master class on teaching. Uh, as a person who speaks like, I guess, professionally, like all the time, um, it takes me 30 minutes to say something. You know, you're like, you can say that a lot faster. No, like, like a real good speaker, even sometimes 20, 30 minutes. Jesus in four sentences is about to just drop an absolute bomb. And then his audience walks away going, okay, I didn't think about that. That's just how he did. And so what he's going to do is actually going to tell in four sentences, he's going to tell two stories and make one really good point. And so if you got that, let's read it together. Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 44. He says this, the kingdom of heaven it's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and he bought that field. End scene. You follow the story? Okay. Story one, two sentences. Story two. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had. And he bought it. Boom. Jesus has told his stories, <laughs> and now he leaves us, the audience, to think about it. They're very similar stories. Like, in each story, there's a person who discovers something so exciting that he's willing to do anything it takes to go get that thing. He sells everything he owns to get the land. He sells everything so he can get this pearl. It's really important. And I think Jesus tells the story because he gets us. I think he understands that at our core, all of us are looking for that treasure. I mean, many of us start very young, like, I'm looking for the one, Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. I'm looking for the perfect, my soulmate. I got, well, that, that's, that's the treasure. Baby, you're a treasure, right? And so, like, that's maybe something that you kind of, you're looking for. Or maybe it's that proverbial pot of gold, you know, at the end of the rainbow. Like, man, it's just going one day. One day, I bought Bitcoin. I came in a little late on that. But maybe it's going you know, to bounce back. Like, whatever it is. Maybe for you, it's that lottery ticket. You're like, it's just a dollar, $10. I can keep on buying lottery tickets. Because we're always looking for this. 
this thing, you know, this thing that's just going to be like so good, and it's just going to fix everything. My job is terrible. My marriage is a mess. My kids don't listen. But man, it's just, we, but we got something new this week, man. We got a new schedule. We got a new diet. We got a new uh, program that we started. We got, we're always like looking for this treasure. And so that thing Jesus, he tells the story because he's like, look, I get it. You're looking for a treasure. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. There's two kind of treasures, really. There's a treasure, and then there's a treasure. Like a treasure is, you remember when you were a kid, you got Cracker Jacks? The most disappointing, like, advertisement is like, it's got a prize. It's a sticker. It's a sticker that says Cracker Jacks. I don't want this. Like, I was hoping for, like, a remote control car, like, on an airplane, some, at least a decoder pin. I don't know, something. But, and, and it's gotten worse, guys. Like, so my kids are teenagers, but, like, we got Cracker Jacks recently, and it's just like, it's a, it's a QR code. Wow. What? Who wants a QR code? They're everywhere. I got, I got QR. I can make my own QR codes. Okay. Sorry, that's technology, like QR. That's the like black and white squares, and you scan it with your phone. It takes you to the internet. That's where you get Cracker Jacks, so don't get your hopes up. It's a treasure. But Jesus, Jesus loves, he understands treasure, and he understands our mentality with that. He's like, look, I got a treasure. Someone asked you to marry them. Someone gave you like an heirloom. Your grandmother gives you this thing, and you're like, oh, my goodness. It's a, it's a shoe my grandma's shoe right you got it on the mantle and like there's so much attached to it and i think that's why jesus talks about our treasure like this matthew 6 verse 19 says do not store up for yourself treasures on earth you know what happens to our treasures on earth moth and rust destroy thieves break in and steal you know how much security system we got in this building like we got all this stuff lock it up but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so that idea, like you can't take it with you. You can't pull the U-Haul behind the hearse. You ever heard that one? Like there are spiritual, ethereal, deeper things that we can invest our life in. And, and the stuff of this earth fades away and it burns up. Jesus understands treasure. And he says the kingdom of heaven... It's like a treasure. You find it, you're going to sell everything you got to buy it. The guys over at BibleProject.com, have you seen their videos? Great illustrative videos, a lot of animation. I highly recommend you. I genuinely believe this. Uh, I, I have, I've gone to school enough to have two degrees in theology, okay? I think I could have skipped all of that and just watched Bible Project videos, okay? And, and they're like you could be entertained by them, so... Just a plug for you if you're thinking about college, okay? Uh, it's a lot cheaper. Uh, but these videos are really good, and their main scholar over there is a guy named Tim Mackey, so that's where I got the idea. I don't know where he came with it from, but the idea of pockets of heaven, so I stole it from him, give him a footnote, okay? Um, but this is how he describes uh, this concept of, of the kingdom of heaven, the presence of God, and, and I'm going to illustrate it sort of not as good as their illustration, but with some images on the screen here. Um, but, but here's what we got. The big idea is that how do, we, how do we envision the kingdom of God and his presence? Okay, so the big idea is that we kind of live in two worlds. So there's like, there's like two circles, okay? One circle represents the realm of God, and we're going to call it heaven. One circle represents man. We're going to call it the realm of earth. You got that? You with me? Pretty easy. Okay? There's a physical and there's a spiritual and there's like, it's kind of like this divide between them many times in our experience. But that's how it is now, but that's not how it always was. 
Brian mentioned earlier the perfection of creation and God bringing uh, chaos into order, and that's a big theme in the Bible. So if you squish this blue and this red together, what color do you get? Originally, there was purple, okay? Heaven and earth were one place. If you look in Eden, the very first chapters of the Bible, you've got God walking alongside man, and they're in the cool of the evening, and they're having conversations. And like, this is God's desire for his creation is that they'll be one. Jesus talks about being one, and it wasn't just like that we all agree with each other. It's like there's a unity of spirit. So that's what's going on originally, but then something happened. Sin happened. And sin just like draws this chasm between the realm of God and the realm of man and rips us apart. Now, I'm super oversimplifying this. Like this is, I, I can't begin to explain to you what happens behind the veil. I don't know all the spiritual things, but I do know this. I've experienced brokenness. I've experienced pain, both physically and emotionally and spiritually. You have too. So you feel it, right? You feel the chasm. You feel the break. Now, but see, what God did was he was like, this isn't how I want it to be. I don't want it to be separated. I don't want it to be constantly. God wants to be with his creation. So he begins implementing a plan. Like if you want to know the plan, it's like the, the whole first two-thirds of the Bible is kind of the plan unfolding. And then we're living in the aftermath of that plan right now. But the, the goal of the plan was like, I, I'm going to create spaces where God and man, the realms can overlap now Tim Mackey calls these clean spaces I like this idea but the idea of clean spaces he has something for example the temple we talked about the tabernacle the ark of the covenant uh, the temple that Solomon like there's these clean spaces not that God wasn't anywhere else but these are these places that have been sanctified they've been set apart they've been put in order so that the realm of God and the realm of man could coexist you follow and so these places are set up, but it was kind of difficult because the majority of the world's not on with that, first of all. Second of all, like, what if you don't live in Jerusalem? That's difficult. And so, like, th- there were communities that worshiped that way, and, and they were clean in their way. But so what do you do? Well, they have the system of sacrifices. And I won't get into all that because I don't even know that I fully understand it all, but it was complex. And there were sacrifices for everything. And some of them lasted a long time. Some of them lasted just a short time. Some of them were for other people. You could just be like, okay, let's, let's forgive their sins. Like, I don't know how it was. It was, it was, it was animals and blood. It was like wheat. It was like your, your property. It was like the piece of fruit out of your garden. Like everything was part of that system of creating these clean spaces. Because innately, we have a desire to be in the presence of God. Because why are you here right now if not? You got other things to do, like sleep in, go to the beach. We live at the beach, okay? But you understand the desire to be close to God, even if today you're just like, this is my first time. I felt like it would be a good idea, right? But our whole, around the world, that's why there's religions around the world, because every people has tried to define and understand, how do I get in relationship with something bigger? So God creates these, these pockets, these clean spaces, where the realm of man and the realm of God can overlap. But that, that temple thing was just temporary. In fact, it was set up to be temporary. God planned it that way. It was what, it's what uh, scholars call a type or shadow or forecasting of what's going to come uh, later. Because you know the Easter story we talk about most of the time in April, right? The idea is that God loved the world so much that he came down and he gave his own life. He became human being and he lived a life in the realm of man. Though he was fully divine, he decided to take on the, 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 the flesh of, of man to stub his toe, to, to cut himself, to be hungry, to have to go to the bathroom, to experience travel, <laughs> like all these things. He went through that, and after being here for decades, he decides to do his ultimate thing, and he becomes the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world is what John the Baptist called him. And that's not an accident. It's meant to say, hey, you recognize the lambs from the temple? You remember all the things you used to do to get clean? 
Jesus is going to take the place of all that. And then he says, anyone who comes to be part with me can be in this clean place. So, so this thing begins to happen. So as Jesus is on earth, the, the realms kind of overlap a little bit. And he's like, I'm here. In fact, the book of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 14, uh, says, I could just quote it. There it is. The, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Let's go back to the other overlap slide. Because that word made his dwelling among us, like in the original Greek, there's a translation of it that's pretty cool, and I think this is right, that's like, it could also be translated, and, the, and God tabernacled with us. You've heard that word a few times today. That wasn't an accident. I wanted to plant it in your brain. You know what a tabernacle is? It's a, it's a tent. God came up and he set up a tent with us. There's a version of the Bible that says that God moved into the neighborhood. He came in and the realm of God and the realm of man began to overlap in a very new and different way. But that's not all. That wasn't the plan. He said the temple system, that's temporary. But I got something better. So then what Jesus does is he begins to travel out. He leaves from his little zone. He's, it could just be Jesus in his own little holy huddle. But instead he just begins to go out. So you can see the illustration here. Jesus is, is going out. And as he goes out, he connects with people. He meets a woman in Samaria. He meets, he meets his, his apostles and he begins to teach them. He goes on and on and on. And everywhere he goes, he takes, takes and creates these little pockets of clean space. These little pockets of heaven. And he teaches these people, like, this is the way the kingdom of God should work. And he teaches parables. And he tells them all this stuff. This is how it should work. This is how you should function. And he's like, all right, y'all good? I'm going to go somewhere else. And he teaches it again. And he teaches it again. And then all around the area of Jerusalem, these little pockets of heaven begin to come up. Now, they're still living under the temple system, but something's happening. God is doing an amazing thing. Jesus dies by his own power. He raises his body up from the grave. And he defeats the one thing that defines the realm of man. Death. He's like, I'm going to bring life to death. I'm going to put life into your mortal bodies. I'm going to take your soul. Like, your, your body's not going to live forever. That's not how he created that body to be. But your soul, your soul can live on in eternity with me. But here's the thing. So often we get it wrong. If you grew up in church, and I did too, okay? I've got it wrong for a long time. And so this is not me slamming anybody's theology or I just want you to think about it, okay? We get it wrong if we think the only reason Jesus came was so that we could go to heaven when we die and not go to hell. I've got so many friends who the main thing they preach on is hell. And like, I, I, I understand why. But that's actually not what Jesus preached about at all. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he went around and he taught people how to live within the kingdom of God. And when the early church begins, you know what they do? They begin to, inhi they begin to like exhibit these, these amazing traits Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And they get out into the world and they make a difference and they're, they're kind. And they create places for, you know some of the things that the early church was so famous for? <laughs> Taking care of orphans. Like that was like one of the main things they did. Because in early first century life, there was, if you just didn't want a baby, you could just kind of discard it. The early church in a lot of cities had these, these, uh, these baby hunters, is what they were called. It kind of sounds creepy now. You don't want to watch that movie, I don't think. But they would go out in the city, and they would look for babies that had been abandoned. And they would bring them back to mothers who could nurse them. 
and they would raise them. So much so that within the first couple of centuries, there had been these little sub-cities created on the outskirts of some big cities like Alexandria and Egypt and stuff like that. And like they would come, they, the, the city officials would be like, what are we going to do with all these babies? Send them out to the Christians. They'll take care of them. You know what else Christians did? Hospitals. During plagues. People are dying. Just being in the room with someone. We just went through a pandemic. It can be scary. Everybody else skips town. The Christians are like, we'll stay. Cleaning up people's vomit, staying in their house, many of them dying. But just saying, this is what we do. We live out the kingdom of God where we are. Jesus didn't come just so we could go to heaven. He didn't come to give you a get out of hell free card. He came to transform you. That was last week. And he came so that you can take pockets of heaven with you everywhere that you go. We're about that. We're that people. We're not the only ones in this city. Man, all over town. I see some of my friends from different churches who just came to cheer us on. That's, I'm so pumped that you guys are here. Um, all over the city right now, there are people who are taking pockets of heaven with them everywhere that they go. Scripture teaches in Romans chapter 5, 3 through 5, that we have sufferings. But we have sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. When we enter into the world as pockets of heaven, and you remember the, the rift, you know, the brokenness because of sin, and one of the first questions people want to know is, if there's a God, why does he let so many bad things happen? And there's so many other questions. You've probably wrestled with them. I know I have. But what we learn is that the suffering actually points us to perseverance, getting through it, being alongside with someone, the sick person, the orphan, the whatever. And then in that moment, we can show them a better way. We can show them hope. That's what we're about. That's what it means to take the kingdom of heaven with us anywhere that we go. And that's why the kingdom of heaven is such a big deal. Um, I'm going to wrap up with this. Uh, every week, I try to give us a challenge, something that we can take home. And we can go and throw that graphic up there. Uh, Honestly, this is a challenge. This is a little on the sly. I think I've given you the exact same challenge like three times, okay? So if this is the first time I'm hearing it, yay, write it down. Um, this week, intentionally look for ways to build pockets of heaven into the spaces where you work and play. That's, that's what it means to be part of the church. It doesn't mean coming here on a Sunday. It do, in the early church, they met in people's houses. They met wherever they could. I need to say this, I guess as one of our leaders, I, I want to say this, and I know that I'm, I'm, uh, I know I'm supported by like our eldership in saying what I'm about to say, that I think the worst thing that could happen, one of the worst things that could happen to our church family is that we finally got into a building and we've arrived. That's, that would be detrimental. There are churches all over the world that are museums because the Spirit of God doesn't walk among the people that worship there. And it might seem like a heavy phrase. I can't judge everybody, right? But you get it. This place that we're setting it apart for the service of God is just a tool in the toolbox. 
And so it's our goal to use this space for as many ministry opportunities as we can. We've talked with the YMCA about some after-school teen program, and we've talked with Soaring uh, as Eagles, which is a nonprofit that helps. Uh, they work in, in Title I schools primarily, and they get in there to do uh, literacy stuff and help with EOGs and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of you met Kim Caesar. She's been with us before. She was going to come today, but she was actually sick. So if you're online, hey, Kim. Uh, she'll be back. We wanted to talk about Soaring as Eagles because we want to partner with them and go. And, and a lot of the kids in the schools that she services live right across the street. I've walked this community with her a couple different times, Perry and I have, and what's amazing is as we walk down the sidewalks, I, I hope that one day as we, any of us walk around in the neighborhood, people can be like, hey, what's up guys? You know, your friends from church. But what I love is we walk through the neighborhood with Kim, and people are just like, it's Miss Kim! And just children run to her, right? This is what it means to carry pockets of heaven with you everywhere you go. Uh, so we, we want to do that. We want to use this space for our men's and our women's groups to have studies. We want to have just worship nights in here. A lot of you are musicians, and we have often talked about, like, can we just jam sometimes? We're just going to have jam nights. We can just come and praise God. We're going to just have times where college students can come and do stuff from here. But from here, this is a sending place. This isn't the landing place. This is a launch pad. This isn't the target. This is just a place we leave from, and we leave from here to go shine light in dark places and take pockets of heaven with us everywhere that we go. Are you with me? Let's pray.